All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I hate to break the fishing news up here, Amchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations. You're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for, like, an orgasm. Might want to mark that down. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome in episode 185 of the Real Life Podcast. I'm Tyler Uramchuk. Before I introduce you to everyone that's on the FaceTime call, should let you know that this week's episode and every week's episode, every single episode is brought to you by the fine folks at Jabba Machinery. If you need some extra support getting your heavy equipment up and running this summer, give the fine folks at Jabba a call. Their mechanics can get your equipment up and running, whether it's in the shop or in the field, and their rates are not like normal dealer rates. Jabba's mechanics are always working hard to save you time and money check them out online check them out on instagram check them out on twitter as well we're always tagging them in our posts so why don't you follow us on instagram and twitter at the real life podcast and now we bring in the guys on the facetime call because we are still doing quarantine podcasts jay bagged milk wanye and jay i saw this is i don't know how you can even respond to this but i saw the nation truck the other day driving downtown that i made one turn and I saw the Nation Beer G-Wagon. What are we calling that? I don't know. But I saw them both within like 30 seconds. It was an exciting day. Hey, we're out on the streets, man. I'm not surprised. Uh, what is there an official name for what uh, sales guy Jared has done to his G-Wagon? The Nation Beer Wagon? The Nation Beer Wagon. That's what it is, huh? Yeah, the Beer Wagon. It's a, man, he did a great job on that. Looks sharp. The, bee, looks the, the Bee Wagon. And did he take it on like a tour to a bunch of breweries as well? 
Phil, Jared is a crazy man. He is. He, uh, he left Friday and came back Sunday and drove to Kelowna and back. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. If anyone has driven to Kelowna, it's like at least nine hours yeah. minimum. Did anyone One else way. drive to Kelowna this weekend? I drove uh, to a liquor store. <laughs> I put gas in the nation truck for the first. It feels like I drive around a lot, but it's obviously in a really tight little circle uh, or uh, area. And I put, I put gas in it, which in the truck for the first time in what feels like it felt like three months, but I guess maybe it was like three weeks, but it felt like forever. I've gotten gas. I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. I went out to my old man's yesterday and just like hung out and had a barbecue. We were supposed to build a gazebo, but bless the rain for preventing me from doing manual labor. Um, I've only gotten gas twice since March. Wow. You must be rich. Oh, I'm gas rich. (laughs) All that money going right into, well, nation beer and other consumables. I'll tell you what I tried to do yesterday. For once, I was thinking Arby's, clearly still not on any delivery app, hopped in my car, ran an errand, and then go to wheel into the drive-thru. Power outage. What? Yeah, there was a lot of people that were talking about a power outage yesterday. I didn't have anything out here in the West End. We were all golden out here. Oh, I was uh, I was disappointed because finally it dawned on me. I was acting on my thought and kicked right in the roast beef sandwich. Up here in uh, St. Albert, all the power lines are gold. They're made out of solid gold, so we've never had a power outage. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm still, yeah, I'm still rattled by Arby's. Like, all these people tweet me pictures of available (laughs) delivery. And in my hood, and there's a beautiful Arby's just down the road from me. And I can't get it without leaving. I I don't get it. Um, I don't get how you're not doing any delivery right now. I know if it wasn't for delivery, you know, oodle noodle would be in big trouble. Uh, it's a very important piece of business for us. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of confusing. Um, but yeah, I got uh, just fucking power outage. Yeah, I took to Twitter after and I was seeing it. I ever heard like downtown was basically a blackout for a bit. Uh, before you move on from Moodle Noodle, Jay, I just wanted to you should talk about the donation you guys did on, was that Friday? Friday. Yeah, so uh, we did our food delivery Food Delivery Fridays, uh, we went to uh, one of Windhouse's shelters uh, and uh, dropped off uh, 400 meals worth of food. Uh, they're, no, they're, they, they have limited budgets, and, they have, and, and when they do get money, they spend it on food. So being able to provide something like food for them was super important. So super cool. Got to meet uh, the team behind the charity uh, and uh, have great conversations with them. So it was super cool uh to do that and uh yeah it was uh still kind of reeling from it did a little post today on linkedin um talking about it but yeah no very cool and then uh just wrapped up this week uh with sports central and we're about to announce our new week's partner zoe's animal rescue society oh yeah they're cool they do uh they do a lot of um fostering animals there um i know a girl that's heavily involved with zoe so that's cool i'm just looking i'm looking at the uh the photo on Oodle Noodle Gram on Instagram. What what exactly are you guys? What are you delivering there? Is it just noodles or is there sauces in there? Like, what's is it a whole thing? Yeah, it's noodles and sauces. So we got uh, I think there's about three boxes of noodles and one giant box of sauce um, that we provide. So all they have to do is just add in some veggies or protein, and uh, they've got themselves uh, a big meal for a lot of people. Sweet, good for you guys. 
Wanye has the pause button on his face, so either he's actively going to participate in this podcast or he's busy watching the oil change documentary on YouTube because someone no, tweeted no. us and told us that every single episode of oil change is now apparently on YouTube. No, he's here. Wanye's here. Um, that's actually where I wanted to start with today's podcast. It ran from 2010 up until 2013, 14. <laughs> So pretty much just the absolute worst parts of the Oilers over the last however many seasons, right? My question to you guys is from those seasons, which parts with hindsight in mind would be the absolute hardest ones to watch? I'll go ahead and start. I'll say episode one through whenever the fuck it ended because that was supposed to be a glimpse behind the scenes at how a successful rebuild started. It was just like, I remember, I mean, obviously I'm paraphrasing because it's been a long time since I watched it, but I remember the end of the first season where they drafted Taylor Hall and Steve Tambellini was kind of sitting in the backseat of a car talking almost like mission accomplished, here we go. And it's just like, man, it goes through the Eric Belanger signings. It goes through all kinds of stuff. I, it's, I, I, I saw the tweet too where somebody mentioned that it was on YouTube, all the episodes that is, and I just, I couldn't imagine watching it again. It would just make me mad. Fuck, I drank the Kool-Aid of every word spouted on that. So much so where Wanya constantly reminds me and makes fun of me about how I believe when Eric Belanze asked for an extra year because he believed in what the where the team was going when we signed him. Oh, I'm only and, making fun of you because it's so painful on my end. I mean, believe it or <laughs> not, I, uh, I couldn't watch Oil Change because I was so in, I couldn't watch. It was like we were living Oil Change every day. Why do we want to watch a show about it? Oh, yeah. Um, Somewhere, thing- I, I heard a rumor that team, Steve Tavellini actually doesn't know that he's fired and he's still assessing <laughs> the team from somewhere. Um, I'm reading here the official descriptions of all the episodes, and it feels like even the people in charge of this show slowly gave up because in season one, <laughs> these things are like full-on paragraphs about every episode. Like the, the first one ends and goes, the Oilers return to Edmund, or it goes, with the eventual pick, or they eventually picked Taylor Hall and other carefully chosen players from later rounds of the draft. The Oilers returned to Edmonton. <laughs> there they launched the bold wholesale rebuild promised by Tambellini and Lowe with the full backing of billionaire owner Daryl Cates in the oil change pilot that aired on TSN the night before the draft. So the first oh season God. is like paragraphs. The second season is like two to three sentences. By season three, they are one line. They're one sentence. Season four, there are no descriptions and nothing for any of the episodes. It just tells you their air dates. I think that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, you're it's right. Gotta, it's got to have been a funny meeting. Like, how many seasons is it? Five four. or four? Yeah, at the, at the end of the fourth season, they're like, so should we pick up a fifth? They're like, no. No, we're not going <laughs> to uh, fucking televise this for another season. Like, the oil change <laughs> is over. No new oil in car. I... <laughs> <laughs> Reading some of these descriptions as well is just hilarious. Like uh, season one, the final episode, it's titled End of the Beginning, which is also hilarious. But it goes, one of two scenarios will play itself out in the final episode of Oil Change. The team will either be in the hunt with everyone's focused, firmly fixed on the prize, which is making the playoffs, or the Oilers <laughs> will know they are once again destined to finish the season on the outside looking in. And it's like, what? Man, what? <laughs> What year did you say that started? That was 2010? Yeah, so that would have been coming to the end of the 2011 season in that episode. So who would they have picked in that 2011 draft? That would have been huge, right? So yeah, the, like the last episode, they're like, oh, the team might be in the hunt. 
but they were about to pick first overall again. Like they were about to come in last in the whole league. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> you can so tell- knock it on the playoff door. <laughs> the end of season three, the season finale, the episode description is one line at this point, and it just goes, the disappointing final weeks of the team season are chronicled. Oh, and that's, oh, that's just <laughs> painful. Oh, oh, oh. Here's a show about your life, and your girlfriend broke up with you, and the finale is her banging another guy with your another guy watching. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, like, can we please block whoever tweeted this at us? Marvelous oh. news, marvelous. Yeah. Season three, episode two. The whole, the only description: the team looks to regroup following its six-three home opening loss to San Jose. Was that the whole episode? The whole episode was just about losing? Oh, that was peak DOD. Man, yeah. uh, Just, I know for the listeners, it might not be exciting to have me rattle off the episode descriptions of this. But as I was doing it before the show, I was having a hearty, hearty chuckle at the expense of myself and Oilers fans. But I, there is... Tragic. It was. Oh, I just. I also because I was. I'm like Jay. I I drink the Kool Aid every single season, yeah. no matter what's going on. Mm-hmm. So like when those were happening, okay, they draft Taylor Hall. Okay, first season oil change, not so good. Second season, we're in this. All right, we're getting Nuge, and then it just never got better. And eventually, I remember by the time the last season, I guess it would have been the fourth season started. I I, I didn't even watch it. I don't think because it was just like repeated kicks to the shin, just over and over and over and over again. Here, bag milk. I'll piss you off. Your Ramchuk. How old were you when Taylor Hall got drafted in 2010? Uh, 2010. So let's take 10 years off my age. So I would have been 12. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, uh, good times. Uh, you yeah. know what, your Ramchuk? It's actually fun. Like 12 years old. It's almost amazing that you're actually an Oilers fan and not like uh, just a fan of some other team that actually had something to cheer for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Maybe but, that's why he's so mad, because he's such a good hockey brain, and he's been cursed to watch the Oilers since he was 12. Yeah, that could potentially be it. But I like, I grew up still going to Oilers games, right? Like, my dad split season tickets. So, I mean, if it was a Thursday night and they were playing the Minnesota Wild, but they're 20 points out of the playoffs, like, me and my dad still went to that game, and we still watched them. And I think it almost maybe helped in a way that I was so young and naive that... You know, when I'd get the hockey news in August and it would be like, is this the year the Oilers break out? And it's like, you know what? <laughs> Fucking rights. Why not? I don't know anything yeah. other than the fact that Taylor <laughs> Hall is going to be sick and Ryan Nugent Hopkins was picked first overall. Like, so for me, I think it was easy to buy into the Kool-Aid when I was that young. I don't know what your guys' excuse was, but I mean, even you're like from- one of the. You're like one of the kids on Walking Dead in the later seasons <laughs> only remembers the, alien, the time of zombies. Yeah. Uh, do you remember that acronym? Remember the HOPE acronym? Oh, no, I remember yeah, the really. HOPE acronym. Uh, I was so happy when PRV showed up because we needed a P. Yeah, because we were just the hose before. I know, Mark, of heaven's sake. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like two of those guys featured in the HOPE poster aren't even in the NHL anymore. Well, it was either Omar or Jordan Osterley four years later. We didn't have any options. Yeah, yeah. Osterley, if he would have stuck around, I mean, he's a he's a pretty good defenseman now. Yeah, he's grinding out a <laughs> hell of a peripheral. We gave shut up on him too early. Shocker. Shut up, all you. Shut up. Yeah. Thanks, Pete. You That's, did a great job. One of the weird things about the decade of darkness is how many of those like fringe defensemen that we had that, you know, were like cast aside by Edmonton and it's like, oh well they're they couldn't crack the last place Oilers. They're never gonna amount to anything. And the amount of them that actually turned out to have great NHL careers, like Eric Gustafson, I don't even think the I was Oilers just bring signed him. him. They, no, I, they didn't sign him because I remember it specifically. 
because Peter Shirelli said he needed to work on his defense. And in 2018-19, he put up 60 points for the Blackhawks. Uh oh! Uh, now he's a, now he's a Calgary Flame. Yeah, he's, a defen- he's a defenseman. Put up sixty points. There was but was he working on his D though? That's what I want to know. Where yeah, is yeah, how's the D? doing those sixty points? Yeah, where's his D fair. at? Pretty sure Brad yeah. Hunt won a Stanley Cup with Vegas or went to the Cup final with Vegas that year. Uh, Taylor yep. Fadoon went on to play to play a lot of games as well. Like guys that were the one that kills me. Even though he's not a D man, the biggest botching of all time is Devin Duke. Oh, and the yeah. old, if you have to ask the question, and then the next year he's a Vezina nominee. That has to be in. That has to be an oil change, right? That wouldn't that period have been in there? The, yeah. Is he? Uh, I remember Mac T. Is he a starting goalie? And he did that. If you have to ask the question, kind of thing. And then he just shat the bed. Although to be fair to him, he had just had brand new baby or whatever. And then he went on like Wanye said to be a Vezina candidate. Like unbelievable. So and he had a. He had a defensive line more porous than the hull of the Titanic. Thank you. <laughs> so that uh, uh, Dubnik's year, which would final season in Edmonton, which would have been the year Mac T said all that stuff, was 2013-2014. And that would actually be season four of Oil Change. So, <laughs> so I'd love uh, to go back and dig up the day Mac T made those comments to go find the episode. But like I said, they're... Uh, all in, uh, they're all on YouTube now, so you can go dig those up, I guess. What would be an amazing addendum, like a director's cut to oil change, would to be to go through it now and like point out what act, what's actually happening? It would have been amazing if they kept the show going and been like, they want to sign what's his nuts to a fourth year deal. And the narrator's like, this was, of course, an incorrect strategy. <laughs> and the Oilers are condemned <laughs> being terrible for yet another year. The Oilers are watching it like, what the hell? We don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, so we covered it, the Devin Dubnik thing, that is. May 24th, a fresh-faced Jonathan Willis had the whole quote from Mac T on it. And boy, is <laughs> Mac T doesn't really show a whole lot of confidence in his goaltender here. Uh, just, just real quick, he says, Devin, I think you're right. The verdict is out on Devin. I've always believed that when you're assessing goaltenders, if you have to ask the question, you already know the answer. And then the Minnesota Wilds, <laughs> Skated through, and they're like, "We'll take your crappy nine foot goalie off you." Here's a delicious cheese croissant. Yeah. So he went. He went to Nashville. Yeah, from Matt Hendricks. Yeah, I remember we watched his oh, yeah. first his, game. And everybody there, and he, thought we knew him. Remember? And he is still in his Oilers pads, and he just got shelled. Poor and guy. everyone was like, "Oh my god, you guys must be best friends." And we're like, "Uh, yes, of course." Devin yeah, everyone. Th- yeah, everyone thought we traveled all the way to Nashville to watch <laughs> Devin <Duke laughs> first game. Uh, uh, as a predator, uh, we were just as shocked as anybody. And then he went that off season. He went to Arizona, and then Sean Burke was the goalie whisperer that kind of got his confidence back. And then he signed to Minnesota and started kicking ass. Yeah, he, he really like, must know his his, his ascent. Yeah, if the you, Sean Burke the, thing was the key because he he had a goalie factory going in Arizona there. So yeah. my whole thing. So Mac T says that he's always been of the mind. If you have to ask the question about goaltenders, you already know the answer. So. <laughs> Where I'm from with general managers, if they incorrectly assess a Vezina candidate as a throwaway goalie, you already know the answer there too, probably, right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe should have rocked a helmet for some of those later years. <laughs> I mean, he did, he, did, he did the exact same thing with Jeff Petrie too. He like, challenged Jeff Petrie on a one-year deal, and then he went on to have a wonderful career for himself in Montreal put all his eggs in the Justin Schultz basket, and boy, did that basket come Well, even Justin Schultz is still a very good D-man now that he's been let free, right? 
Well, I was thinking about Justin Schultz. There was a, uh, a mailbag question a couple of weeks ago on Oilers Nation about if you could give... I'll actually throw this to you guys because I know Tyler and I answer, but if you could give one Edmonton oiler a mulligan, who would you pick? And I, I went with Justin Schultz because he lit up the AHL when he got here. Everybody was super pumped about him, but then rather than letting him inch his way into the NHL on the third pairing and some power play time, which they should have done by the end of his time here, he was playing 26, 27 minutes a night. That's crazy. Crazy, and, and he just got like a horrible reputation with a lot of the fan base. And I think that's a great pick for one Oiler you would love to give a redo, uh, because like, how did he get so unfairly blamed for so much shit? Like, this <laughs> dude was a first two years in the league, and like you said, playing all these minutes against the best players in the league, the other team's top competition, and fans are like, oh, fucking Schultz is such a baby, he can't do anything, useless, blah blah blah. And it's like, what do you want, man? Well, like, this, is the, this is the problem of being a fan of a perennially shitty team, right? Yeah. Like, Petrie's a perfect example. A buddy of mine who knows a lot about hockey, I was like, get out of here, Petrie, you bag of shit. And he's like, no, man, you're thinking about this wrong. You need Petrie to be a one or a two. He's a perfectly good four. And if you guys keep running fours and threes out because they're not ones and twos, you're not going to have anything left but fives and sixes. And he was right. And I even think just like not even coming in the decade of darkness, but the time that Schultz came really hurt him. Like if he would have came at 20 in, you know, 2009, 2010, maybe it would have played out differently. But I think because he came at a point where the fan base and the organization was just so exhausted and was just like, fuck, we need a Hail Mary answer. We need someone <laughs> to just come in and immediately be an all-star. Like all that pressure was lumped onto him. And, you know, the college I know free what agent we'll do. thing. We'll put all the pressure on an undrafted college pick who has done well in a short, straight shirt and seasoned in the AHL. That's the guy we'll give all the pressure of the Edmonton market to. He was well, drafted. Was he? By who? Dra- drafted and by Anaheim. Anaheim. And then didn't oh, sign. And then, let him bounce? and then didn't sign. And then he, there was a sweepstakes, and yeah, he yeah. won it. And I, I remember. Like, there was finally, a, there was a crew it. at the airport. Remember? There was a crew at the airport when he showed up. Yeah. So when you say a mulligan, what do you mean? Like, we get this person back at the beginning of their career, and we can try harder, and they don't remember their own career? Yeah. Yeah, something like, something like that. So, like, as another example would be, like, a nail Yakupov. He came in hot as a pistol in his rookie season, uh, got carved up a little bit by Aikens early in that second year, and just never looked the same. Maybe had they developed him differently that we'd be talking about a player who's still here, at least contributing in the NHL somewhere. Are you, ready, like for who, are you ready for who I say? I'm going to shit shit out of you. Give it to me, Wanya. Jason Arnett 2, Taylor Hall. If there's one guy to go back and fix, it'd be Taylor Hall, man. <laughs> If he'd come in here and Ryan Whitney wasn't his mentor and it was like Smitty or a Ginla or somebody like that, they could have saved him. See, and like and that and that's a fair one too, because Taylor Hall is even to this day a very kind of you split people when you talk about Taylor Hall. He's like Jason Arnett, man. Jason Arnett went on to have an amazing career in New Jersey and he won a cup too, right? But he wasn't what he capital J, capital A when he first started out. Um, the thing with Hall too, like, I, I think you make a good point of, you know, bringing him in and Ryan Whitney's his mentor. If you brought a guy like Taylor Hall, who, you know, high scoring guy, tons of potential, bring him into this locker room now where there's already an established superstar in Connor McDavid, an established superstar in Leon Dreisaitl. After this season with Holland and Tippett, maybe a bit of a stronger culture that's focused on winning, whereas it was still focused on a rebuild in 2010. I honestly think that the narrative and all that around a guy like Taylor Hall would be totally different. For sure. Now, a question for you, Yuram Chuck, man who knows all. 
is Connor McDavid at this stage of his career an awesome mentor? Or is he such an amazing player that everybody in the room just watches him and tries to learn by its motion? I think that's like, it right I, there. I think you're yeah. so, you walk into the room and it's like, fuck, there's Connor McDavid, who in year five of his career, as being anyone else walking into that room, you'd go, he's accomplished more individually than I ever will in my career. And if you just, it's almost like osmosis, right? Where you watch how driven he is and how hard he competes and how bad he wants to win. And you don't want to be the guy to let him down almost. I don't think, and I mean, I don't think, I, I know that Connor McDavid isn't the guy who stands up in the room before every game and gives the rah-rah speech. He's a little bit different than that. But I, I do think that just being around a guy like that and also Dreisaitl, who, who seems to, you know, flip a switch and get incredibly competitive in a hurry. I think just being around those two guys would force you as a young player to be like, fuck, I better smarten up and get in line if you were out of line to begin with. That was kind of like what I talked about. I mean, this is almost a month ago at this point mm-hmm. about when we were watching, talking about the last dance and whether or not Connor's going to have that. He, he didn't get to be Connor just by being lucky. He, it's hard work. It's everything. And I wonder whether we're at the point now and starting to get there where that ultra competitive drive that he has that made him Connor McDavid just has to bleed into everybody else, regardless of whether he says something or not, because there's going to, he wants to win. There's no, he's not here for the paychecks, although he does get paid handsomely. It's, he wants to win, and I wonder when we're going to get to a point, if we're not there already, where other people are like, oh, fuck, i got to get in line or else i got to get out. I watched a G- uh, GQ interview with Gretzky and Connor in St. Louis recently, and it's interesting because cause clearly interviewers don't hold Gretzky and Connor in like really high regard. They're just like celebrities, and they don't really know. But Gretzky says um, to Connor at one point, you know, everybody's touting you as you're the next great thing. And then all of a sudden it's going to switch and someone's going to be talking about who's the next Connor McDavid. And you see Connor kind of like look and be like, oh, maybe you're right. It'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years when the next big prospects arrive, what Connor does to mentor the guy because now he's the vet. Well, and I'm also looking at like, so it, it seems to almost happen every decade or so. So there's like a, you know, there's like a probably a, a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old kid out there that is just going to be smoking good when he gets drafted in. He's no Connie McDavid, though. That's what I'm going to say till the end of my days. I think McDavid is, is right now going through the transition of being that vocal leader, not the one where he maybe might be standing in front of the room, but I bet you on a one-on-one basis. Uh, we know he calls everyone on their birthday. Like He's checking in on his teammates. So he's doing, I think, the one-on-one things a good leader needs to do outside of his outstanding play and work ethic. I think we're starting to kind of – he's starting to transition and, and move into that role more and more. And I think you'll we'll be shocked to see what we can get out of the rest of the team. And I think it's even happened this season. I remember hockey. <laughs> it was well, fun to both, talk about hockey for a few minutes here. You're oh, going to be you're, you're going to be reminded about it very soon here. Hopefully, start of August. It is going to be the strangest playoff 2020 of all playoffs. And but I sl- slash the most needed. Oh yeah, the okay. viewers are going to be the viewership's going to be impressive. Again, going back to um, the mailbag from this morning, actually, boys, what do you think about the idea that some people are saying that this season is going to need an asterisk? Well, clearly. I mean, I don't recall too many four-month uh, hiatuses in the middle of the season. I, but, Jeez, but is, the I mean, I don't... is the asterisk negative or positive to you, Anya? Well, I, I'd love to see hockey positive. The only asterisk that needs, I think, to be attached is to the regular season because it didn't get completed. But once 
once we're through the playing round, the playoffs is going to be the playoffs. But there's 24 think, teams. I'm not here to bitch in June when the season's been canceled since March about when hockey comes back. I'm here to see hockey come back. Yeah, like it doesn't matter. Regardless, there's going to be uh, an, some form of asterisk when it's talked about because they're going to talk about they're going to denote the pandemic year of 2020 regardless. So who gives a fuck? The, if the, I can the, watch, the, yeah. Yeah, the main goal is to just get hockey back on TV and get people, you know, cheering and giving them more uh, more purpose in life. If I can watch Mike Smith get punched by Milan Lucic, cheer for Milan Lucic and against Mike Smith, four months later, cheer for Mike Smith against <laughs> Milan Lucic. If I can watch Cassian rearrange my good friend Sam Gagne's jaw and three years later giving him a standing O when he scores, I can cheer for hockey in the middle of August and pretend it's June, no problem. I actually oh. think that it's going to mean more to people, to be honest. Yeah, I think that, yeah, we're all going to get past. It's going to be weird, no doubt, no fans, blah, blah, blah. But I think that once we get over that part, I think it's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be like a rallying, unifying kind of moment for people. I think if the Flames play a game in front of no fans, every single Flame fan that's real showed up, really. Yeah, of course. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? The point I made in the mailbag and on Oilers Nation Radio on Friday, and I made it specifically to Rick because I know knew he'd be like this. <laughs> but if the Oilers win the cup here in Edmonton, we are all going to love it. We're going to say cup number six, put a ring on the other hand type of thing. We're going to be stoked. Wow. It's going to be a magical run, all that stuff. Wow. But if the Flames win the Stanley Cup, no Oilers fan, the, every Oilers fan, I can guarantee it will just go, yeah, win a legit one. That one doesn't count. Do it for real. <laughs> Do it when it's not a pandemic. And I think that's the point I kind of make is for the fan base that ultimately wins this or goes on a magical run, it's going to be great. For the teams that lose, they're going to just say, it wasn't real. That doesn't count. This was stupid to begin with. This was so the owners can make it's their money. Nice coping mechanism. You can't lose. Maybe the oil will win the cup. Fucking right. They're going to fucking make an effort. I'll tell you that much. So what's the timeline? I can't even allow myself to look at this nonsense. I know. I excited. know. It's what just, are they saying? We're not so Rogers, just, Rogers place is open today. Yeah. The Oilers <laughs> just tweeted a photo at Rogers Place right now. Stuart Skinner, Alex Chason, Matt Benning, Chris Russell, and Tyler Benson are all standing on the outside edges of an offensive zone face-off circle, passing a puck to each other. So that's where we're at right now. There are people yeah. out there who will tell you Chris Russell still isn't the best defenseman on Rogers Place ice today. Well, actually, Matt <laughs> Benning's there, so I mean, you could probably make Ooh. the argument. Full brow to <laughs> um, it just to be honest, I'm looking at the photo right now. To be honest, this just makes like we're still we're only in phase two. Phase yeah. two started today. Phase yep. four is back on the ice. There's still a million, you know, variables that could happen between now and then. And this at least gets, two phases. This gets me excited just seeing the guys with Oilers crest on their practice jersey shooting a puck around. It's yeah. a big step. It's a big step. And that's the big thing, is that we are taking steps forward. We're not sitting on pause right now. Things are moving forward, and Wanye talking about timelines. Even though we got to suspend in non non reality and get our hopes up, but it's probably end of July, early August to start training camps. No, no, start the season. Oh, I see. Um, I believe the NHL said their target date to start training camps was like July 15 or mid July, mid to late July, and yeah. I think they need two max three weeks to complete training camp with exhibition games. My question for the exhibition games. Everyone already knows who they're playing. So how do you go about rolling out exhibition games? Do you purposely make sure the Oilers don't play an exhibition game against the Blackhawks? Or do you allow that? Uh, uh, I don't. I, I think the league would probably not allow that. 
It would kind of ruin it, wouldn't it? Yeah, and like, yeah. Well, because like, fuck, like then you wouldn't dress your star players because I'd be trying to run. You know, if I was fringe player black ace who's getting some ice time, I'm gonna go fucking run around and hurt some people. Well, that's kind of like the last meaningless games before the playoffs, though, too, right? Like you don't ice your stars, but in this instance, you have to. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? Ryan Rashog just tweeted something super interesting that I didn't know until just now. So Benning, Russell, Chase on Benson, Skinner are all on the ice at the start of Phase 2. Note that these five must stay together for all of Phase 2. There is no mixing groups once they've started. Hmm. Oh. So, like, that's your that's that small group of five, that's their practice crew for the next for the foreseeable future. So does that mean if I forced myself onto Roger's place ice right now, they would force me to live in quarantine with them as well? Yeah. You are part of that group. Get over there. You yeah. know why sports is going to come back strong? Is I think that in the last few months, most people would agree that not a lot of high profile people have done a good job. Right. And I think a lot of people frankly need some heroes to come back and perform. Right. There isn't a lot of shit going on since March to cheer for in terms of in life, right? Sports will bring that back quick for people. Mm-hmm. And the other good news, the other supporting, you know, uh, you know, for looking to try to see if this is actually going to happen, NBA taking a strong stance and saying the season starting, what, July 31st in Orlando? Yeah, they're doing it all in one city, right, Tyler? Yeah. They're doing it all at Disney World. <laughs> cool. Why not? So they're going to have all the players, you know, ESPN has like a world of sports down there or something. So they're doing it all within the Disney World lands because there's enough hotels, resorts, you know, food or uh, restaurants and all that, that they can just keep everything in there, secure the gates too, right? Which is a big thing that maybe you wouldn't be able to do in another city. You can't just secure off a section of the city. You can do that in Disney World, which makes it so unique. Um, Man, then they get a ride Splash Mountain after? Cool. Hey, your MTech, if you went back in time one year and talked to yourself and you're like, you want to hear what a good idea sounds like in June 2020? They're going to lock the entire NBA in Disney World because it's closed. <laughs> what the fuck? This, what are you on? This raises the question, though. In Edmonton's proposal, why have we not suggested just locking everyone in West Edmonton Mall? Or Ford Edmonton for that Ford rustic Edmonton. experience. That's Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Ride the trolley around. It's Darn nice. right. You can remember what it was like the last time a pandemic hit. We all had tents. We just don't have an ice surface there. No. We'll no. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. The ice surface. Think yeah. of the, the camera. Ice palace. Think of the camera the angles you'd get at the ice palace, though, by like putting them up high and stuff. And then you'd have the issue that we have at the brick tournament every year, which is the ice starts to melt as soon as the third game of the day starts going on and the kids are playing in puddles. Yeah, but you can't do like. So remember seamless glass. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, you remember how that's just a career ender. Like, yeah, the old you, shoulder dislocation. Did you ever get hit into seamless glass? Like, yeah, it's like getting hit into a cement wall. And West Edmonton Mall is no different. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in playoff hockey, shoulders be popping. I know well, the ice plants couldn't handle it, but it would be sick if they dropped the NHL in and like they played at Tipton. And like River Cree and shit. You're like, oh, wow, all the men's league arenas are now the NHL. I'd be watching those games and be like, oh, yes, Leon, I also scored a goal from that spot once. It was equally (laughs) as beautiful, I promise you. The ice plant at Oliver Arena does suck. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but uh, Rashog adds in at the end of that tweet, actually, that uh, he says, will be interesting to see if guys try and group in lines and pairs as they return. You made the joke about yourself sneaking in. But what if like McDavid and Drysaddle are texting and they're like, all right, let's get like Nuge in here as well and get like a nice core of players in our group 
so we can all practice together. And then, like, Gaetan Haas is, like, hiding in the bench. And as the fifth player steps on, <laughs> he just jumps on. He's like, oh, I'm on. I made it first. I'm here, too. And now Gaetan Haas is in the top six. Good career move. Yep. Absolutely <laughs> smart. I heard that the Deans are quarantining together just to be safe. Yeah, got to do it. Got to stay sure together. Got to stick together. They might need sure Their blind passes are still on point. You got it. Uh, can I just really quickly, you mentioned Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Mm-hmm. A uh, friend of network, Reed Wilkins, got to interview Nuge last week. And lucky, uh, yeah, very, very lucky. He also, good guy Reed, threw into his uh, his article a plug for, or a shout out to the Keep Nuge Forever piece. Um, when asked about Edmonton, Ryan Nugent Hopkins says, I've been lucky enough to play in Edmonton. This is my ninth season. We've had some tough years. We've had moments where the fans haven't been completely happy, but for the most part, they've been so supportive of us. They just want to shake your hand and meet you and say hi, let you know that they're a fan. That excites you to go play in a city like that. And Reed actually called me after the interview and said that there was some stuff that he didn't include in the article. But speaking very glowingly about our city, 27-year-old Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Hell yeah. 27. He is a fucking saint, yeah. I need to see a birth certificate. Yeah, he hasn't got 27 facial hairs. No. Isn't it wild, though, that Nuge is 27? Oh, boy. I Listen, hope. Keep him forever. Keep him forever. Well, you know what? Nuge is a late bloomer, so you want 27-year-old Nuge. Late he's bloomer. His he first is. pick overall got a hat trick in his first game. Yeah, but he's, you know, the boy has become a man. and uh, I Yeah, think, look at the size of his neck. I think he's ready. Like, he's, fuck, he, he, he had such a strong second half this season. It was fucking yeah. unreal. Like, Nuge is ready, man. He's in playoff mode. And you know what? The one thing with Nuge is that, he can, especially because he he was he was a thinner frame, and even this year he was struggling. He tends to get banged up a little bit, so giving him two months to recharge and then just throw him into the playoffs. Same with Connor. Like I imagine he's been sleeping oh. in a hyperbaric chamber this entire time, and that oh he's yeah, now he, stronger than it ever he, was. He's now got two PCLs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> an interior PCL, an exterior. Yeah, he willed another one to protect the other. <laughs> Um, this actually, since it's Monday, we are taking listener questions. If you ever want to submit a question, hit us up on our DMs on Twitter or Instagram, or you can email me, Tyler at OilersNation.com. Um, but uh, we got a really interesting one from Angus, and we're talking about the NHL resuming. We're talking about the Oilers in the playoffs. He wants to know if you could bring back one former Oiler in his prime to join the squad for the 2020 playoffs. Who would you bring in? I'm gonna add. Oh. I'm gonna add two caveats onto this though before you guys give me your answers. Okay. Okay. You cannot pick Wayne Gretzky because that is ridiculous and the obvious choice. And you. Yeah. And I'm gonna go ahead and answer first and say my pick is Chris Pronger, so none of you Fuck can you. take him because oh, that's bullshit. Adding 06 oh. Chris Pronger to this team, man. Imagine him just sending outlet passes to McDavid, and that's how they score all their goals. Pronger picks it oh. up, quick pass to McDavid down the ice, goal every single time. Imagine Pronger on that top power play unit. Deadly. Okay, well then, my pairing then, Uremchuk, you pricked Pronger. I'm going to go Lubo. Lubo, look at that. How's that for a top huh. pairing? Firing oh. pucks up ice. I, uh, well, there's a few. Uh, like, who wouldn't want 06 playoff Fernando Persani? Mm. Like, Throw him up with Connor? To, who would, what exactly? Like, the guy could fucking shoot the biscuit. Like, especially in playoff mode, Persani. Uh, so you got to give him an honorable mention, but also like you got to feel like in, in playoffs it's a war, right? And there's no fucking better warrior out there than Jason Smith. 
That guy will go to war and will himself to the finals. Or also, like a very, very easy one to mention, the Oilers were on a heater of a power play this year. How much better would it have been, no offense, Alex, Jason, James Neal, if our boy Smitty was parked in front of the net deflecting pucks? Prime Smitty, yeah. Yeah, Prime Smitty be good in the playoffs. What about Prime Billy Garen? Oh, hot heat. Great. You know who I'd go? Cujo. Ooh. Oh, Clive. You rolled Cujo out right now? Yeah. Old fucking slide across the crease, make a save on Newendike, Cujo? No, yeah. he's getting past Cujo. Ooh, you know what? Yeah, with goaltending always going to be. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, yeah, good one Nobody's buddy. forgetting him. Yep. Those are some good answers. Shout out to Angus for We're the very question. smart. Great. Yeah, very, very smart. Very smart. Trip down memory lane. The when, other, when your rem chuck was five. Yeah. The other question I was floated, and I used it on Oilers Nation Radio on Friday, but I wanted to send it to you guys as well. NHL is going to 2014 playoffs this year. Uh, in a couple of years, we'll be at 32 teams in the NHL because Seattle's showing up. Would you be in favor of the NHL expanding to 24 teams on a permanent basis once Seattle gets here? So instead of 16 of 30 teams making the playoffs, it's 24 of 32. Is that too much? Do you want to see them stay at 16? Do you want to see uh, them go to maybe just 20 and expand it by four more teams? So 66% of the NHL makes it. What's your take on that? Okay, so you're rewarding mediocrity uh, by doing that. <laughs> um, I understand the business element. More more teams, more markets getting into the playoffs. The NHL, I could see the appeal to it. But like, I, I, we're basically giving everyone a participation ribbon at that point. I would like every team to make the NHL and yeah. thus statistically end the likelihood of Decade of Darkness too. Yep, no, that's true. No, 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 no. We're about to we're about to enter our chapter where we're always going to be in the playoffs, and we can shit on those who can't perennially like we used. True, to. true. We need we need to get our pedestal to look down upon other fandoms. That's true. I plan on being insufferable when that time. Oh, I comes. cannot yeah. wait. My idea. You know what? Be an in- oh, go ahead. I said my idea was add two more. I think a wild card playing game would be good, and I think it's good for the league, good for growing the fan bases. Good for revenue if you if you have that wild card playing round. It would be twenty out of thirty two teams making the playoffs, so it's not like an insane number. I think that's where you go with it. I would love if that playing round yeah, if it was one game, one Oof. game, just like baseball, like one and you're in. So I would just I think that would add a certain level of intrigue that obviously the NHL doesn't have right now. It would be amazing this year at the draft if when you were eliminated from the lottery, you dropped through the stage four. Yes. Uh, get get right? catapulted out of, and you know you got it they're like oh no Steve Eiserman he hurt himself uh. it's like most extreme elimination <laughs> yeah. challenge so the 16 teams that are in the lottery yeah. all run towards a wall that has yes. 16 doors yes. and the one and the one that gets to pick first is the only one that gets to run through and the other one's run flat into a wall and you spin a wheel and if any of you get the, the missing tile you redraft Alexander Day ooh and, and Alexander Digg, even though he's 47 years old, has been picked eight by the Win- Winnipeg Jets. And the GM still has to go up, make the pick, give him a jersey, like, yeah. and just and he has to time. say he has to say nobody remembers number two, even though he's now drafted. <laughs> <laughs> Who was um, number two to Alexander Digg, the guy he said no one would remember? Give me a sec. Uh, what year was that? 1992. No, it was 90s. Roman Hammerlick four. Maybe two or four. I it was, it was Chris ni- Pronger. I thought it was 97. No, no, no. When he was drafted. He wasn't drafted. It was a 93 draft. Yeah. 
Ottawa went up and picked up, yep, Wanya is correct. Yeah. Chris Pronger to Hartford at number two. Chris Gratton to Tampa at three. Paul Correa at four. Ooh. Rob Niedermeyer at five. Well, Victor Kozlov wow. at six. Jason Nobody Arnett remembers number one. You're right, Alexander Dane. Uh. Yeah, no one remembers two, but they remember three, four, five, six, seven, and you when you have a shitty career. Uh, sticking on the topic of things from Nation listeners, Jay Danger Suede. He, uh, uh, yeah, you, you tell it, you tell it. Danger Suede has, has been a loyal listener uh, and just a great person. We had the fortune to meet him at events. He came to us in Vegas. I shared a room with him in Vegas. So uh, he, uh, he reached out this uh, a few weeks ago and said that he's got some gifts for us. And I was like, interesting. Uh, he's just like, you know, I know you guys are working your ass off during this time. We appreciate the fact you're doing an extra episode and just, you know, trying to keep the community engaged. He's like, I want to, I want to meet you and get you some gifts for the guys. So, uh, I met up with Danger Suede and, uh, he has this like crate of booze and I'm like, what, what's this? He's like, well, uh, as, as you know, and, and this is as I know, cause I, I got to know, uh, Danger Suede in Vegas. We connected, uh, and kind of got to know each other more on a personal level. He's he's a big food and beverage guy, so he's run food and beverage programs for some pretty big um, restaurants and establishments uh, and country clubs in Edmonton. So it's a passion of his. So he uh, he being you know uh, he, 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 he's, he's he's consumed a lot of our content. Uh, got uh, a type of booze for all of us based on things that we've mentioned or talked about well i guess mentioning and talking about the same thing uh over past episodes so no, he, he put some thought into this he, he did and i'm gonna i'm gonna circulate so he, he also put together a document and uh you know he says a lot of kind words uh and and and, and about the nation about the team uh and uh super appreciative of just the fact that you know we could do something like this and have the impact that we that, that we're, we're having here but uh I, I don't want to get too deep into this this um, document because, uh, like I said, he's a big food and beverage guy, so very knowledgeable. So he sent me a seven-page, um, uh, is, is opus the right term? I don't know. A seven-page document uh, talking about the booze that he got for each person and the kind of the story behind that booze and why. But I'm just going to tell wow. everyone, I'm going to tell everyone what they're That's getting. So nice. I'm going to tell everyone what they're getting. And then I will, and then he really would like us. So I got to get it to you. He really like us all to try it and see if yeah. he kind of hit the hit the nail on the head. That's the big thing. It's, he he really likes to pair things. So he if there's one thing you can count on, Dangerous Way, is that if you give us a box of free booze, we will drink. It. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll get myself out of the way because I am the first on the list here. So can I guess? Can I guess what he gave you? I think uh, okay. that yeah. I think that he gave you based on this is just I'm thinking. You guys being roomies in Vegas, I'm guessing he got you like a nice bottle of red wine. Because there was a night, Uremchuk was there. We all went down mm-hmm. to Fremont, and Jay was a Jay was a big wine guy that night. He was walking around <laughs> with a nice glass of red all night long. So I'm guessing it was a bottle of red wine. Yeah, Danger Swade set the table for you for that night, and just he, uh, I, I came back. He had these two beautiful bottles of wine sitting when I came back into the room with a nice note because he was. Um, he was double dipping on his nation vacation. He also was enrolled in a sommelier class uh, while he was down there. So it kind of worked out well for him because it was also work. So he could mix it in. And uh, yeah, he had these two balls of wine, a nice letter. And uh, we uh, we drank some, I drank some of the wine. And then we kind of had a chat about the next day. So yes, you're right, Bag Mel. 
He gave me a bottle of 2007 Del Forno Valpolicella Superior. So, yeah, once again, it's a full page here. and walks through the history of the wine, talks about what I'm going to be experiencing. Uh, somehow, <laughs> I ties love it, this. somehow ties it to Connor McDavid. Uh, very, very well thought out. Um, and then to Wanye. Uh, one day talks about two things, one more <laughs> exclusive than the other uh, when it comes to booze. We got uh, you a glass of Jordan Everly. What? Yeah, yeah. So he went, because uh, like I said, he's a collector. He's got a bunch <laughs> of different stuff. So we actually gave one day about, I think it's like three or four bottles of vodka. What? Um, one one what? being, one, on, one obviously, one obviously being Ciroc. Oh, dangerous way. My love, pump daddy and vodka. Yeah, so he's been listening. So he walks through all this. So um, I've got uh, I've got some vodka I got to deliver to you. Uh, next is Chalmers. Uh, I wish he was here, but I think everyone in the world knows what he got, uh, and that's a bottle of rye. But this one is no particular like this is not your uh, Royal Reserve or uh, Canadian a, Club that yeah. Chalmers like to sip on. This is I'm going to butcher it, uh, Cesaric. Six-year-old rye. I've got the bottle. It looks crazy fancy. Uh, Dangerous Wade was briefly kind of telling me the story about how the rye is stored and aged and all this. But uh, he's say, he's thinking based on what Chalmers, how Chalmers talks about rye, this is going to be the one for him. <laughs> <laughs> and then bag milk. What I'll do you it. think? What do you think Dangerous Wade got you? A bag I'm of milk. Outside, yeah. yeah, but yeah, fermented milk. Yeah, I'm gonna guess it's got to be something, um, something beet beet based, some like sugar beets or something like that. Almost like a brum style something. I'm guessing it's rum. Is it rum? It is rum. He got I'm you a, a bottle of rum. He got you a bottle of Ron Bota number sixty five. Cool. I don't know what that so, is, but I can't wait to drink it. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. I'll give you one uh, kind of sentence from his. This company, based in the Sherry region of Spain, called Urez, is is one of the Doctor Frankenstein's of spirits. How does that sound? I, I, I mean, I'm I'm fascinated to drink the Doctor Frankenstein of spirits. I cannot wait. It's a 17 year old rum, and then it's aged in a sherry barrel for three to four years after. So Jesus, it's older than your Remchuk. Man, I, I've got fancy boy yes. rum here. <laughs> All right, now, Yoremchuk, based on uh, the clues you've laid out over previous podcasts, what do you think you got? Um, okay, well, let's just go I'll through I'll give my... you a hint. You got, you got two types of food. Okay, so two we, different types. we have, uh, I, I enjoy hard facts and being grumpy, so. Um... <laughs> but, you, but, but, but what do you think you've talked about? Oh, man, I'm trying to think of, like, what kind of alcohol I've talked about. I, I, you talked about drinking beer and being happy when you're drunk. Yeah, so um, that's alarming, but also uh, something to consider. <laughs> uh, and I, I think I've talked about rye. Like, I think. I don't know. I can't jog my memory that quickly on the spot. Just g- okay. give it to me. Give no, no, me. that's all right. I just wanted to ask. So you are receiving a bottle of Berta Amaretto. Oh, fuck yes. Oh, that's unreal. Great call. Great call. <laughs> and Berta Sambuca. Oh, Sambuca. Love Sambuca. 
And my dad, like, is the biggest Zambuca fan. So next time I go golfing with him, I'm going to have to bust that out. Because every every time we go golfing, there's always some point. Sometimes it's the second hole. Sometimes it's the 17th where he reaches into his bag and somehow pulls out a bottle of Zambuca. Those are two great decisions. That, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, he's, he's all ears. He's listening to what we're saying. That's so good I'm going to get love this it. all. And I'm going to send this email to all of you so you can kind of read the story about all the stuff and kind of why. But, uh. I, I thought it was important to share because the gesture is insane. So I want to thank you, Danger Suede, for being so kind and uh, for listening to us yap for what, how many episodes? hundred and hundred eighty-five. Hundred eighty-five, and and you know, you know, being being an amazing citizen. Uh, I, I had a great time uh, hanging with you and being a roomie in Vegas. And uh, yeah, this is just kind of. It kind of blew me away, but uh, when you did this, so I'm, I wanted to share with everyone in the audience because the level of thought and detail. And no, this is not a ploy so we can get more gifts. This is just we wanted to share a very kind gesture. Uh, please sign up for my OnlyFans page. Thank you. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> no, this that's incredible, Danger Suede. You are you are a gentleman and a scholar. I can't believe the attention to detail and the level of thought. It's very considerate, very like just unbelievable, mind blowing. Uh, and now that you've given us all your thoughts on our booze, I think there's something left for us to do but drink all your booze and then tell you our thoughts. Yeah. 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 You got oh, a whole so bottle of Ciroc in me, I'll go off on Maxie's decision-making. On that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing he's most keen on. He wants to know if he nails it or not. <laughs> this is like, he really likes to size people up and put them into like uh, the right the right cocktail. I Man, love it. I love that too. That is so thoughtful. Like, thank you very much, Dangerous Wade. Unbelievable. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, okay, we're wow. getting to uh, the end of the podcast here. There were a few things that we didn't get to that uh, I we will on Thursday, though. One of them is the NHL is announcing a new show called... Uh, oh, man, I just went off my computer here. Skates and Plates? Is that what it's called? Yeah, so basically it's a cooking show that has celebrity chefs teaching NHL players how to make, quote... Uh, how to prepare restaurant caliber dishes at home. It's going to be hilarious. We'll get more in depth on it when I get more info on it. And uh, we'll go into that on Thursday, but uh, try to think of some ways that we can tie that into the Oilers. Like, you know, what kind of dish would Connor McDavid like? Things like that. I um, wish we had more time to dig into that today. We also wanted to talk about Leon Dreisaitl's Hart Trophy candidacy and how the goalposts are moving, as Bag Milk would say. We didn't have time to get into that either. Um, but... I I'd like to add one final thing while you're wrapping this up. It yep. sort of is a shout out to Oodle Noodle. Mm-hmm. And it was something I was going to ask Jay, but I'm just going to tell him this joke on the air and then we'll get two birds stoned at once. Mm. Jay, did you hear that they're giving 20 million masks away through A&W McDonald's and Tim Hortons drive throughs Yes. And that 600 drive throughs in the province of Alberta, they think 95% of the population is reached by that. Wow. Really? Yes. Now, it's bullshit Oodle Noodle wasn't included. Granted, we don't have a drive-thru. Yes. Shall we roll out condoms? <laughs> They're going to give away 20 million masks. We're going to give away 300 condoms. Uh, Your laughter means yes. Okay. End laughter the podcast. Good idea. Promotions all around. <laughs> Will they be branded, so like, with Oodle Noodle logos on them? No, they'll be your face, your M. Chuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they'll say, bring your REM check to your love tonight. Mm. That's, I don't know how to respond to that. Instead of, of, having, like a, instead of having like a sticker attached to the box or whatever, it's just a, it's a dome. It's I just can, you happy it. and drunk on Sambuca, two thumbs up. 
You're yeah. Check approved. <laughs> yeah. 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 Run this idea well, by me after I have two shots of that Zambuca. Exactly. I can't wait. Thank you, Dangerous Wade. You're a very nice man. Unbelievable. Uh, away. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, some news today from the NHL. Akeem Alou and Evander Kane have led the way to form the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Uh, their executive board includes Trevor Daly, Matt Dumba, Wayne Simmons, Chris Stewart, and Joel Ward. This is something we dedicated Thursday's podcast to, and I wanted to add that uh, that piece of news in there as well because, as we said, it's important that everything going on goes from just being a moment to being a movement. So, uh, Bag Milk, I'll just quickly ask for your take on this. It's nice to see, and, and there's been some outside of the NHL in terms of sports and in real life as well, but it's good to see some concrete changes coming from all this, right? Absolutely. Got to keep the conversation going. Got to keep making sure that we're moving forward. And uh, I applaud these guys for putting something together. And I look forward to seeing it blossom as we kind of progress here. My only question for this, and it's not a mean question, is what, where's PK? Uh, I'm sure that he, he would have something in there. PK has been probably one of the best in the NHL. At, at, yeah, at that's what I understand. Like, how come he's not in the, the diversity panel? Um, I do know that they were announced. They are going to be announcing more uh, players joining forces with this in the next couple of days here, including some female hockey mm-hmm. players as well. So with PK, I would imagine it's it's a matter of time until he gets involved in this because he's the type of guy who uh, does not hesitate to lend his voice to a good cause. And he's been such a wonderful spokesman yeah. for the game, particularly in Nashville and in Montreal too. Like to me, you'd want PK in the front of this thing. Yeah, yeah, having PK there would make uh, would make total sense. But shout out to those guys. Shout out to Akeem Alou and Evander Kane as well for leading the way on this one. And shout out to you for listening to another episode of the Real Life Podcast. As always, brought to you by the fine folks at Japa. Their fleet, it's ready for rental season. Us on this podcast, we are ready for hockey season as well. Thanks for joining uh, the pod for another hour today, guys. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Get your condoms a doodle noodle. Great job on making it through the entire hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 